Chapter 6 Ilse continued paddling at a steady beat, despite the fact that her arms stung from the strain. Not only was the paddling demanding work, but she found herself looking back at the stretch of never-ending sea behind her where her home used to be. Her stomach grumbled and she wanted to rest her arms. She looked over at Reshma, who was paddling as if it was as natural as breathing. The two found no words to speak for quite a while. What will happen if things don't work out? As in, what if this family friend can't take us in? Ilse asked to break the silence. The thought of a safe bed and something filling to eat keeps me going. I'm sure there's an inn somewhere with room, Reshma said between breaths. This paddling thing was a lot more fun as a kid. I can imagine that you haven't had to run from soldiers before, Ilse said, her voice heavy as she gulped. Sort of makes a lot of things not as enjoyable. Well, you blasted us through the wall, Reshma said. Why don't you just do the spell again and we'll be faster than a flying arrow? I would, Ilse said, except I don't want to die at sea. What are you even talking about? Reshma said. Just say the words, do the spell, and get us out of here. I can't control it as well as I would like. It's not like I practice a lot at home, Ilse began. She shook her head as fears of somehow disappointing her father ran through her mind. I'm worried that I would break the canoe or lose all of our things. Well, my arms are going to fall off if we have to keep paddling on for hours. Reshma said, finally acting as the first to stop paddling. Ilse stopped too, and her muscles twitched and gave her grief. Just do it, Reshma said. What's there to be afraid over? Ilse let her arms hang limp at her sides as she contemplated her options. She would much rather reach this unknown destination a lot faster, but she felt uncomfortable at the thought of propelling them into danger. What if she accidentally sent them into the ocean and didn't know how to stop? Have you at least told me how you came across this spell in the first place? Reshma asked. If I knew any powerful spells, I'd use it all the time. Even if it were dangerous? Ilse asked incredulously. It's only dangerous if you use it to hurt people on purpose, Reshma answered. Or if you are afraid of it. Ilse didn't have anything witty to say in reply. She just wanted to let her tired body rest. You said you got your powers when the wall came, Reshma said, looking at Ilse expectantly. The ice chanter girl looked down at her hands and fingered her wavy scar on the other hand. I'm not sure I can tell you what you want to hear. I was too young to remember anything and I'm not really sure what actually happened, Ilse murmured. One moment I was reaching out for my mother's hand and the next I was sitting in snow in the middle of summer. From then on I just had that spell and I guess you could say I am afraid of it because I didn't tell anyone about it. What? They would impale you with ice for being a bit quicker than all the other children? Reshma scoffed. No, we're not violent, Ilse chided in reply. But this whole problem with soldiers invading our lands apparently looking for people like me who can do what I do. If you're different from everyone else, it just haunts you. So the wall came and so did your powers, Reshma asked. Odd. You could say that, I suppose, Ilse replied. I did my own reading, but any reference to my powers were either ripped from books or fairly vague. I suppose all I can do is move with speed. She decided not to mention her mother's mentions in the journal. Well, there's no better time to figure out than using it, Reshma replied, shrugging her shoulders. She had a curious look on her face, as if she couldn't understand Ilse's hesitance. Ahoy there! They heard someone shout. Ilse had to keep herself calm or else her heart would catapult out through her throat. They whirled around and saw a young fishing boat nearing their small canoe. A young man stood, holding the mast, and called out to them. Can we take you to shore? He shouted. Ilse noted a slight difference in his accent and looked to Reshma. Without missing a beat, the fire weaver replied, Aye, that'd be of most help. 
Ilse realized that Reshma was copying the boy's accent and made a mental note to pay attention. Reshma nodded to Ilse, and they gave the last bit of energy their arms had to paddle towards the boat. It stank of a fresh catch, and the smell was potent as soon as the tip of the canoe collided with the wooden boat. "'What are you doing out in the middle of the waters?' the boy asked, as he gave each of the girls his arm and his grip so they could climb in without tipping everyone out of the boat. Ilse looked into the young man's face. Despite the sweat smeared all over his skin and small beard, he seemed safe. "'Testin' me boat!' Reshma put simply, as if that were explanation enough. "'She's a strange thing,' the boy replied, looking at the canoe drifting atop the water next to his boat. Ilse could tell he was sizing it up. "'I haven't seen anything of its make.' "'My brother likes to make new things,' Ilse replied, doing her best to copy the boy's speech. He looked at her as if he finally noticed that she was there. "'How about I take you to shore and we make a deal on it?' he asked with a little grin. "'What are we talking?' Ilse asked, her hands on her hips. "'I've only got fish,' the boy said, like it should be obvious. "'What's your price?' Six of your fish?' The boy stroked his whiskers like he couldn't believe Ilse would bid so low, but she didn't really want his fish that badly except his food until they found Reshma's contact, and the ride back to land was far worth the canoe at this point. Reshma pursed her lips but didn't seem bothered by the transaction. "'Sounds like we have a deal,' she said, giving the boy a smile that he seemed to like. "'I'll take it,' he said. Six fish seems like hardly a price for a new little boat and two lasses to accompany me home.' Ilse found a place to sit in the ship and rolled her eyes. Her limbs seemed awfully grateful for the change of events, and she just sat with her eyes closed and enjoyed the breeze. She opened her eyes and looked at the twinkling waves, lulling them back towards land and further away from her shrouded homeland. In a few hours, Ilse and Reshma found themselves standing on a large dock, waving at the smug young man holding the oars in one arm and the canoe leaning against a tree. Ilse readjusted the satchel strap across her shoulder and chest, and Reshma motioned to go. The ice chanter only hoped that Reshma had some sort of clue which direction they were going and what the plan was. At least the fish are decent, Reshma murmured. We can probably make a fire and eat them right. I can't believe I bartered away your canoe like that, Ilse said, looking at the wood planks beneath her steps. How are we ever going to get back now? No worries, Reshma shrugged. It helped us enough. Besides, I'll find my brothers and we'll make a better one. She glanced over at Ilse, who still looked upset over her mistake. It's not a big deal, Ilse, she said gruffly. We couldn't have carried it around anyway. I was planning on getting rid of it somehow. But how are we going to get back home? Ilse protested. No one can see our land. We can't just ask someone to sail us back and drop us off. Why are you so anxious to go home when there are people there that are looking for you? Because my father is all I have left of my family, Ilse sighed. We'll be back before you know it, Reshma said quietly. For now, we need to find our way through this city. They walked shoulder to shoulder along the cobblestone streets amidst the town people. Ilse thought that they dressed fairly similar to the Dovians, only with a lot less layers. Ilse noticed that their clothes were very plain, but quaint. She was happy that their dresses didn't seem so different from the rest. They heard lots of chatter in the crowds, and a fair amount of it was in languages foreign to Ilse's ears. She looked up at the tall towers. They glistened like tears and stood between the shoreline and rows of homes and stores. Many of the towers had large yellow flags waving proudly in the blue skies. Cargo ships docked and lined up against the harbor alongside fancy ships owned by the wealthy on display. I hope we don't end up like beggars and roam around everywhere, Ilse murmured. How long do you think it will take to find your family and get back home? Depends on how good we are getting information, Reshma answered. Or how desperate they are to find you. 
That might put a damper on our travels. We might as well find Sebra or What's-A-Name and decide what to do from there. That's her name? Elsie asked, then continued more to herself. People have odd names here. Reshma merely grinned and faced forward. So, you know where we're going? Elsie asked, this time with a glance directed towards Reshma. I may or may not know, Reshma said softly, grinning. It was as if she was focused on something else entirely. Elsie made attempts to look around without catching anyone's eye. Can you stop that? Reshma muttered in Elsie's ear. You're acting like we just murdered someone the way your face looks. I'm trying to avoid attracting attention, Elsie replied matter-of-factly, but she was constantly chewing on her bottom lip and sometimes turning to look over her shoulder. Besides, what if those soldiers originally came from this city? What if they are still looking for us? Then I'll charbroil them into whatever afterlife they believe in, Reshma muttered. We can't do that. People will see us, Elsie hissed. We can't let everyone else know that we're a couple of oddities from out of town. It'll get the wrong attention. I don't care what people think of me, Reshma retorted. Who knows if other people can control ice and fire, but it's not anything to be ashamed of. Besides, if someone is looking for us, they wouldn't attack us when we are surrounded by people. Reshma seemed set in her thinking, and Ilse found nothing else more reassuring than to merely walk closer. Her hand went into her satchel, and she could feel the form of a sharp knife still in its place. It silently waited next to her mother's book. To change the subject, Reshma said, I remember my papa telling us stories about the people he met in yelling. It shouldn't be a surprise to me that papa likes to exaggerate to tell a good story. What kind of stories? Well, here on the mainland, as he called it, they have these big areas where there are no people, just lots of trees for hundreds of miles. People hardly live there, and sometimes if people go in, they don't come out. What about this place? Well, anything imaginable can happen, Reshma replied. It's wild. Ilse looked around and saw something oddly shaped up ahead. She could have sworn it was a hut of some kind. The place didn't really fit the picture of the lovely towers with their yellow flags. This house was small and a bit apart from the others, along the road leaving the city. The house was surrounded by a bit of grass, but the shoddy lawn was ill-kept and long. The lowly hut looked like it wanted to be left alone. The closed curtains were evidence enough. It was a small one-story thing made of big stone slabs with a wooden door and window frames. A few vines climbed along the walls that served well as natural camouflage. It was as if the owner had left and never came back to take care of it. This place looks awful, she commented. Reshma turned to look at her. What place? That one, Ilse emphasized, pointing up ahead at the place a few yards east from the path. The normal path continued on level and straight due northwest, but the hut was off to the opposite side on an elevating slope. A sharp shiver sprang down her spine. She felt like something was watching her as she pointed, and the feeling bothered her. She wildly turned around but saw nothing. What's wrong? Rashma asked. Nothing's wrong, she said, answering, quaking. But I don't like the looks of the place. I think this place is amazing. It's so strange and wonderful here, Rashma said. Let's go to that little squatty place. I bet my parents' friend lives there. How can you possibly know that? They both suddenly felt rough hands on their shoulders. Something looped around Reshma's neck from behind and it squeezed tight against her throat. Reshma screeched as her hands were held back and the soldier whirled around her to face the opposite direction. Ilse ducked and closed her eyes shut as she turned around and held her hands out, shooting sheets of ice from her palms. She opened her eyes and stood face to face with a soldier in Yildirim uniform. There was three more behind him, grinning. She realized she'd missed. Globs of perpetual ice stuck up in the trees. She stood her ground, petrified. You're a long way from home, ice girl, one of them murmured. Who are you? Ilse asked, trying to replicate her phony accent once more. 
She asked, even though she already knew the answer. The others just grinned and chuckled at the impus question. I think we're more interested in asking you the same thing. Another replied. The first one looked at Reshma. Who are you? You're no Dovian. Reshma struggled with her arms behind her, but the soldier held firm and her movements became more lethargic with each strain of her muscles. Leave us... Leave us alone! Reshma spat, holding her head limp. The men chuckled as if embarrassed for her. Ilse winced. She sounded drunk. Always too much for the small ones, the one gripping her commented. Ilse instinctively gripped her hands into fists and ice quickly encased her tight grip. A few flinched away from her, holding out their hands as if armed with them alone. Now you come with us quietly or we'll kill your friend. Plain and simple, the soldier in front of her stated. I have no qualms with harming a darkie. Ilse grunted, forgot her past qualms with exposing her powers once more and threw the chunks of ice on her hands towards the man, clunking him in the chest and shoulder. The man that held Reshma suddenly squeezed her and Ilse heard an odd sound. She saw flickers of light dance violently across Reshma's arms and shoulders and she shrieked insanely. Ilse threw ice at the man's eye and he released his grip on Reshma and held his face. There would be no point to his trying. The ice wouldn't melt until Ilse wished it. The ice chanter whirled around and crossed her arms above her head and chest, and a solid chunk of ice unearthed itself from the ground and shot up between her and the other soldiers. The man gained his composure and got up quickly. They attempted to punch through the barrier, but only minute fractions flew off. Ilse took a step back, but Reshma and the other soldier were behind her. Reshma crumpled to the ground as though fatigued. The other soldier held out a sword. No one had ever pointed a weapon at her like that before, and Ilse instinctively held up her hands. As he held his arm to strike, he jolted in place. He growled angrily and grabbed his legs, now frozen to the ground. He dropped his weapon and pointed a jagged finger at her, light and energy shooting from it towards her chest. She thrashed and screamed violently. Her limbs forgot how to hold their strength and she fell to the ground, too. She wanted to move, but her appendages kept twitching and jumping, ignoring her attempts to rise. The other soldiers sidestepped the barrier and Ilse could sense that all three had the two girls surrounded. Suddenly, an arrow landed close to their feet. It almost spun into a Yildrim's leg. It quivered slightly in the spot of soil where it rested. Who's up there? Shut up! Another soldier barked. He scanned the area with a stern frown. A woman approached the area from behind the odd little house. She wore long breeches and tall boots up to her knees. Along her belt hung five different kinds of knives. Her vest sported frayed edges and a high open collar. Under the vest was a ripped shirt torn at her shoulders. Her short, brown-blonde hair flapped against her cheeks, shiny from the lack of washing. You leave them innocent girls alone, you mutts, the woman said. One of the soldiers immediately held out a hand to strike her with his abnormal magic, but she was quicker and ducked. The woman immediately armed herself with her bow and arrow. To Ilse's horror, she shot the arrow and it went straight for Reshma's neck. The necklace around Reshma's neck broke and fell to the ground and left no injury to the fireweaver. The man looked at Reshma, then back to the lady. I will tell you once more, leave him alone, the woman said in a quieter, steely voice. The one above Reshma cowered. They refused to let Reshma go, but there was something about this woman that gave them second thoughts. The woman sighed and reached behind her for another arrow and aimed the poised weapon at him. She shot the arrow. It flew with great speed, making a whining sound. It punctured the black boot of one Yildirim, and he held a hand to his foot as he fell to the ground. The other two, shocked and surprised, looked down at their comrade, then up at the armed woman. Sorry, lads. Can't have you getting in trouble. She muttered under her breath as she held two more arrows at once to her bow. She quickly pulled the string back and her hand barely grazed her cheek before the arrows found lodgings in the two soldiers' sides. That wasn't too difficult a catch, she said wryly as they crumpled to the ground. 
She held a hand to the neck of the nearest victim until satisfied. She looked around and motioned to someone unseen by tilting her head towards the three soldiers sprawled on the ground. A young man wearing a scruffy beard and a large hooded cloak drove a small wagon behind him, pulled by the horse he was riding and trotted lightly and casually around the corner into the part of the path where the scuffle occurred. "'You know what to do, eh?' she grunted to the boy as he leapt down from the horse to help her put the bodies in his cart. "'You keep me busy enough.' He replied, the hood shadowing his eyes and nose. The woman chuckled to herself in reply. The young man mounted his horse again. The woman gave a slap on the horse's rump, and the horse began trotting again with his cargo in tow. "'Who in the blue blazes are you two? the woman said, her hands on her hips. She looked squarely at the girls with a raised, arched eyebrow. "'We are looking for,' Ilse began, looking at Reshma for affirmation. "'A family friend of hers. We're from Ravenna, and we need shelter.' "'Ravenna?' the woman asked. "'Do you know Sebra?' Reshma asked, her gaze timid and unsure. "'The hell I know Sebra,' the woman said, wiping the sweat off her hand before offering it. "'That be me, lassies!' Reshma scrambled to her feet and gave the armed and dangerous woman a hug. "'I haven't seen you in ages!' Reshma exclaimed. "'I was a bit worried you wouldn't recognize me,' Sebra laughed. "'I'm not very hard to miss.' "'Well, it's been a while.' "'You know her?' Ilse asked with surprise. Aye, which one are you out of your brood? I haven't heard from your folks for a mighty good while, the woman said with a smile, squeezing Reshma's back. I'm Reshma, I'm somewhere in the middle, the fireweaver replied. Good enough answer for me, Sebra replied, then nodded her head towards Ilse. A friend of yourn, Reshma nodded and beckoned Ilse to come closer. Ilse of Dove, ma'am, she replied. I'm an ice chanter. The woman pshawed and knocked Ilse lightly on the shoulder. I'm not a ma'am, Sebra said. That's as seldom said as I'm an ice chanter. You said you might know someone here, but I was starting to wonder, Ilse said, grinning at Reshma. Awfully glad we know someone. Her father and I used to be trading partners, Sebra explained to Ilse with a wave of her hand. I knew Reshma when drool came out of her mouth. Papa took me here when I was a kid, but I'm surprised that squatty house still looks hazily familiar, Reshma said, laughing at the poor state of Sebra's house. "'Tis hard to forget,' Sebra sighed. "'So is this your trade?' Ilse said, half gesturing to the ground where the soldiers had lain motionless. "'Welcome the newcomers?' "'Oh, that! They don't deserve the special treatment,' Sebra said, showing them one of her arrows. "'It's drugged! They wake up tomorrow with enough pain to make a hangover feel like a good night's sleep. I send my catch of the day to the Prime Minister and let him decide their fate. Let him play God!' Do the soldiers belong to the Prime Minister? Ilse said, not sure what a Prime Minister was. In a manner of speaking, Sebra said, they started off on their own to keep the peace without the bias or loyalties. They always seem to be fair and friendly here, but things have changed. Now the yelling prisons are full with them. I would hardly call these soldiers peaceful. They pillaged our towns and made off with my family. They almost got Ilse here, Reshma answered, rubbing her neck and holding the broken necklace in her hand. That's why we came. We need your help. Your family is gone, Sebra asked with a firm grip on her shoulder. She looked around with a brief glance and pulled Reshma protectively close to her side. Let's head to my place. We have some catching up to do.